anniversary, and we're just we're going on. Uh, just before I get into the Word this morning, um, I want to uh, mention this. We uh, had the, our, these books sent here. They're out in the lobby today. And all I'll say is this. I'm not one much to promote my stuff, but um, I think maybe when I was here the last time, I might have, you know, mentioned this, that, you know, I went, uh, you know, it's, this is a victory story, a redemptive story, but I, uh, you know, I went through six and a half year period where I had really, my immune system crashed, I burned out, all kinds of, you know, crazy story, and, and uh, it took me six and a half years to get back. It was right in the middle of my life, uh, from uh, the beginning of 2000 to 2006, and uh, God restored me, uh, you know, in January of 2006, and now here I am in my right mind. Th thank you for your tremendous response to that. You... Uh, and uh, anyway, I wish I had more time to tell the story, but th it's, that's why we wrote this book, and uh, it's, it's the redemptive story, and it tells all the lessons that we learned. All I'll say is this, uh, you know, s some of you know from when we were here last time, that, you know, one of the privileges we've had is, uh, is to be a part of raising up Joyce Meyer uh, in, in our church. She was one of my pastors for five years uh, as her ministry uh, was being developed. And that's a whole story in itself. I probably ought to write a book about that sometime. Uh, but anyway, uh, we sent, I sent the manuscript of this to Joyce. And uh, just to say, Joyce, you know, you're a great author. And I said, you, I want you to read it. Tell me what you think. She said, well, t it'll take me three weeks. She said, I'm very busy. And so anyway, she called me back the next day. And she said, I just decided to open it last night. And she said, I couldn't put it down until I finished it. And, uh, and so... Anyway, anyway, so then she even offered to write the forward, and that's probably why you should buy it, is because of the forward. Anyway. <laughs> All right, there you go. I want you to look with me in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Acts, chapter 3. And I want to just... Uh, preach a little message to you that I'm entitling Faith to Get Up and Get Going. Faith to Get Up and Get Going. Look at this story in Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Look at this. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, by the right hand, and lifted him up. And his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What a great redemptive story this is. Just like my story is a redemptive story. But here's what I want to do. I love this passage because of the raw uh, message that's here and that is that God is a redeeming, restoring, freeing, delivering, healing God. 
and that he still does that stuff today. So obviously that's the principal message here, but I am also a big believer in the idea that there is no story or words wasted in the Bible, that Old Testament or New Testament, that there's, there are double truths, there are parallel truths. And to me, this story jumps out at me with all kinds of parallels to our life, uh, you know, and the things that we go through and how we are to get up and get going uh, once we've gone through a tough season in our life. Here's what I see, first of all. Listen, it's the whole story we often focus about Peter and, you know, saying, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. Great part of this story. But who's the story really about? The story is really about the lame man. And we don't often talk much about the lame man. Who is the lame man? The Bible doesn't give us a name, doesn't tell us who he is. But we do know this, and that is that we know that this man had been in this condition for a long time. This man was in a situation where people passing by him every day Going into a temple, listen, passing through a gate called beautiful. And this man is lame from the time of his birth. This man is going through a tough time, a long season of difficulty in his life. But yet he's doing it, being placed every day at a place called beautiful. And it strikes me, you know, how that we can go through stuff in our life, difficult seasons in our life, but yet we can be surrounded by beauty all around us. And what happens is, is just like the lame man, if we're not careful, we get so preoccupied and focused on what we're going through that we miss the fact that there's the beauty all around us. Are you all with me now, huh? Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a big believer in this, that you know, your focus has everything to do with your destiny. You, you, what you allow to occupy your mind, what direction you allow your thoughts to go, you allow your vision to go, has everything to do with the outcome in your life. Can you all say amen? The point is we are designed to thrive and not survive. Do you all agree with that? <clears throat> we leave school believing that anything's possible. You know, you hear commencement speakers say, you know, reach for the moon, the stars, you can do anything. And we all woo, throw our hats in the air and, hey, yeah, we're going to go for it. And then you go down through a few years down the road and you suffer a few hard knocks and, and, and some difficulties. And, and, you know, you go through a few long periods of great difficulty and you get the stuffings knocked out of you. And all of a sudden you say, what in the world was that commencement speaker talking about? You with me now? And we lose that sense that, that, that anything is possible. And when I'm here to tell you, look, I'm standing here today right now, Rick Shelton, 61 years old, having gone through the stuff I'm going through, I, you know, I mean, that six-year period plus other kinds of hell, you know, that I've gone through. But I'm standing here today telling you that I am not only in my right mind, but one thing I've contended for is that I want to grow to be an old man, never losing the spring in my step, the sparkle in my eye, the edge to my faith, the joy in my heart, the smile on my face, the strength in my life. You with me now? 
You know, I, I, you can go through stuff, and it, it's one thing to go through something. It's another thing to be defined by that which you go through. It's very important not to allow your difficulties, your adversities, and your long periods of suffering even to, to, to define you. You, know, you, can, you can be de deal with sickness. That's one thing. But it's another thing to see yourself as a sick person. You can go through trouble, but it's another thing to see yourself as a troubled person. Are you with me now? You know, let's face it, folks. You're going to go through stuff a lot. There's a lot of valleys in life. But don't let the valley get on the inside of you. It's one thing to fight the storm out there. It's another thing to fight the storm in here. Amen. All right. So we need to learn a couple of lessons and here's the lesson number one out of this story. We see from the layman, when you've been in the same condition so long, you begin to see yourself differently than you did before. It's one thing I've dealt with people about down through the years where that they allow what they're going through to change what they're seeing. They allow the, they allow the difficulty, they allow the challenge Let's say they've been in a marriage for a number of years that's not going well. Maybe it's, matter of fact, it's, it's terrible. It's not going well at all. And they're existing in this marriage so long that they can know, they've lost hope that there's any possibility for change of that marriage. Or someone has been poor or dealing with financial strain for so many years that they've lost any hope that there can be change now. And so, folks, my point is, is that the real battle we face is not what we're going through. It's what's going through us. Are you with me now? <clears throat> There's a lot of stuff that we can't change out there. And we need, to, we need to understand that and accept that. But let me tell you, we have full control of what goes on on the inside of here. I, can, I, 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 can have, I have full control on, on what I allow and disallow inside my mind, in my soul, in my spirit. Amen? So this man had been this way since birth. And because he'd been this way since birth, he, he didn't know any different kind of life. And so what happened is, is he began to build a life to accommodate his suffering. Now, don't miss this point that I'm making. The man was not only lame... That was enough, but he was a beggar. Now, all right, until he met a healer, he couldn't do anything about his lameness, but he could do something about his begging. Why was he begging? He was begging because he had been lame for so long, he had no hope of any other kind of life, and so he built a life around to accommodate his lameness. His begging was his, y'all listen to me now. My point is, is this, you know, whenever Peter came along, he came along to bring change to the man's life. And when you think about when the two met, what the man was asking for from Peter was some change. But the kind of change Peter had and the kind of change the lame man was looking for was two different kinds of change. The lame man was looking for pocket change to get along another day in his lameness. Peter was ready to give him change, life change that was going to get him out of his lameness. Are you all with me now? And so the point is, is this, is that we reduce our expectations after a while. 
This is what happened to me, you know, I was going through that battle for six and a half years is that I, after a while, I mean, for a while I was fighting and I was believing God and I was standing strong. And then, I mean, you look, folks, I was a pastor and everything and, you know, I hate to admit it, but it happened after several years, I just lost my fight. And all of a sudden, I, I, I didn't realize when it happened, but, but I just, the, it's like my vision started falling. And I began to quit believing God for any change. And looking back on it, I asked myself, why did that happen? And looking back, here's what I say. And that is that after a while, when you're believing God for something to change so long and it doesn't change, and you're trying to follow God, if you're not careful, what will happen is the disconnect between what you know the Word says and what you're experiencing in your life is so different that it's hard for you to live with the disconnect between the two. And so you begin to redevelop your, your theology and your mindset to accommodate what you're going through. Are you with me now? And for me, it went something like this. Lord, you know, I don't care if I have to go through this the rest of my life. Lord, I'll just serve you and worship you, and it doesn't make any difference anymore. And the Lord came to me one day, I'll never forget, January 15th, 2006, and he said, Rick, why are you saying that? I said, well, you Lord, you know, and I recited all the things to him, how loyal and faithful and, you know, worshipful I was. And, and the Lord said, well, you're accusing me of siding with your sickness and illness. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, you're accusing me. He said, when you stop believing that I can come at any moment and change what you're going through, then you have, began to, you have began to cause me to side with your sickness and with what you're going through. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't realize whenever I, had, whenever I lost my faith, I didn't realize that I was losing it. That's the problem with it. You don't realize it when you're losing it until you've lost it. <laughs> Are you all out there today? And so anyway, I said, I said, Lord, I said, I'm so sorry. And I began to realize that I could not change, now listen to this, what was happening to me, but I could change my faith and my attitude while I was going through what was happening to me. And I, I didn't, now listen, I didn't realize at the moment that changing my attitude and my faith in me while I was going through what I was going through, I didn't realize at the time that's what was going to change what I was going through. On January 15, 2006, all of a sudden I got it. The lights came back on. Hope is restored in my life again. I begin to see, oh God, I'm going to believe you. I don't care. It's till my dying breath. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to change this thing in my life. And I, I, I began to develop a fortitude at that moment that kind of, kind of said, God, I'm telling you now, I'd rather die in faith than to live in unbelief, God. I am not going to live one more day in unbelief. Y'all out there. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Mufasa, hallelujah. All right. That's good stuff. You know, Jesus said in John 16, 33, this passage, very famous. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, he talks about, he says, in the world you'll have tribulation, trouble, all kinds of trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, trouble, difficulty. He says, but be of good cheer. What does that mean? 
Actually, if you look it up, it's just talking about your attitude. Be of a good, right attitude. What he's saying is simply this. He's saying you need to have the right attitude while you're going through the difficulty that you're going through. Now, how do you have the right attitude while you're going through what you're going through? When what you're going through doesn't make sense. A lot of times you go through things in life that don't make sense. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you this. For years and all the early years in my ministry, I wouldn't have preached a message like this because I thought I could do anything at any time, you know, and, and you know, I mean, anybody who preached something like this, talking about going through difficulty and your faith through long periods of suffering, I think, well, you know, man, I'm going to, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, faith will change everything in a moment of time. And I began to realize over time that faith does, can change anything and does change anything. But it takes time many times. And sometimes it takes a long time. And that's one of the things that the faith teachers didn't tell me when I was a young guy. They, they told me it'll change. I mean, you can change it right now. I mean, it was like, I mean, a matter of fact, there was the attitude that if you couldn't change it within three days, I mean, something's wrong with your faith. If you just get stronger faith, you'll get it quicker. Are you with me now? And, you know, one thing that did is it, put, it dumped a lot of condemnation on people who was going through stuff longer than three days. You know, and then somebody ends up dying, and then the preacher gets up and says, you know, well, we don't know what all happened to their faith. Something must have happened to their faith. And, and you know, I think, what kind of idiot are you? Listen, who are you, the faith doctor? Who told you? How do you know that something went wrong with their faith? And I begin to understand that, that faith, my point is I'm trying to bring attention of two sides of a truth together. On one side, we go through great difficulty and suffering and long seasons and valleys in our life. And I've seen too many people, the pastor will tell you, when you pastor for a number of years, let me tell you, you see everything. And you watch people go through stuff in your church for long seasons, and you don't know why it's happening, and you don't know what all is going on, but you look at them and you say, all I know, that person is a godly person. That person loves God. As best I can tell, that person is a person of faith. And, and we don't understand why it takes such a long time. But the other side of the tension I'm trying to bring to you is this, is that no matter how long you go through what you're going through, whatever you do, you cannot let go every day of your life of that belief that tomorrow God is going to change this thing. When you give that up, now you not only have what you're going through to go through, but now you have a defeated, unbelieving life to deal with. I used to, years, in the early years of our church, I'd have these old guys. I, I loved to have old guys come and speak to our church. I did, and I just I wanted to hear their wisdom and everything. And, and, I, and some of the guys I had, I'd come along, and they were kind of, you know, kind of like, got that attitude, spirit, they've been through it all and done it. They're kind of crusty and, you know, and moldy and, you know, kind of, kind of got a blessed God attitude. I've been through everything, and I, you know, you know, and, and, I, and then I'd have some, there was a few I had, and these guys are older guys, and these old guys come, and they got this spring in their step and this sparkle in their eye, and this, and, and, and 
you know, it's like, and, you know, here they are, 80 years old. They just, ah, ah, praise God. Ah, life is good. People are beautiful. You know, and I'd look at them and I'd say, God, when I get that age, I want to be like that. I don't want to be defined by what I've been through. I want to come out of this fiery furnace without the smell of smoke. Y'all out there. Oh, hallelujah. Ah. It's like my life passion to go through this stuff. You know, and, you know, I can tell you story after story of things, even your past notes, a couple of things, other things we haven't told, in, you know, publicly, and just things, deep things we've dealt with, yeah. sorrowful things. But I tell you, because this, listen, it's been my life passion to be a person who is so full of the life and the beauty and the power and the strength and the vitality of the Holy Spirit that all of that fiery, flaming stuff that we've been through cannot be seen by the person who meets us who doesn't know what we've gone through because our life doesn't speak of what we've been through. Listen, our life doesn't speak of what we've been through. It speaks of who's inside of us. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hallelujah. I was on Facebook one day, and I just decided to type in what, you know, one of my statements or mantras is that I've, you know, that I use and and here's what it is. And I just made this post on Facebook. And I just said, I said, God is great. Life is good. And people are beautiful. God is great. Life is good and people are beautiful. And so I posted that. Within one minute, there was a post, first post back. Actually, a number of posts, but this, this woman who had no idea who I was. How many of y'all, I don't know if y'all know this. It may be a rude awakening for some, but how many of y'all know that not all your friends on Facebook are your friends? <laughs> and she didn't know who I, at all who I was. God is great. Life is good. People are beautiful. And she posted this back. She said, well, that would be nice if it were true. You ready for this? And she says, it's obvious you have never been through anything in your life. I thought, oh, baby. Ah, if you only knew. Look, I posted back. And I said this. I said, God is great. Life is good. People are beautiful. I said, I didn't. Come to that belief because I haven't been through anything. I came to that belief because I have been through something. And I have been through something and I have found God faithful through it all. Wow. Oh, man. 
Well, I never heard back from her. I wasn't about to tell her what I've been through. It's none of her business. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when you go through a bunch of hell, and then you have other, this happens to pastors a lot. Pastor Talk will tell you. When you go through a bunch of hell, and then you have someone come to you and say, Pastor, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know if I can make it. It lasts another day. Well, what's wrong, dear heart? Would you pray for me? Oh, I don't know. What's, what's, what, what's wrong? Oh, the cat's up in the tree and I can't get him down. <laughs> you know, one of the worst things in the world... <laughs> is for people to go through things, and we all go through a bunch of hell, a bunch of junk. Let's just face it, we do. What's, the worst thing is, is for people to go through a bunch of stuff like that. And when they go through it, they become so preoccupied with what they're going through that they lose the mystery and wonder of life. Hallelujah. Life is a mystery. It's a wonder. When people go through suffering, they, they have this tendency to accuse God of wrong. And they want to point their bony finger in the face of God. <laughs> they get that kind of look, you know. Where were you, God? What? Why didn't you... You show up. Where is God in all of this? And they feel somehow that they have a right to know. Don't miss what I'm going to say next. They feel that they have a right to know. That if it's knowable, I ought to know it. It's a very flawed way of thinking. I hate to... Burst your bubble, but there are a lot of things you don't know. <laughs> Look, I was with my wife through four babies being born. Four boys. I was in the, the room. As a matter of fact, it was as hard on me as it was on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I watched... I'll never, never forget the first one. And all this baby's coming. She's, ah! You know? I'd been through these classes where they told me how to help her, and they said when she starts having these big pains, if you just squeeze her big toe, squeeze it real hard while she's having a contraction, it'll help relieve the pain of that. And so, you know, I'm being a good husband. I went to the foot of the bed. She's, ah! And I squeezed her big toe. She says, will you get out of here? I thought, my God, what happened to this woman? I watched that baby come out. I mean, here it was, the doctor's there. And I'm behind the doctor. And I'm watching. And this baby starts to come. And, oh boy. 
I can't even explain it. I saw everything that happened. Everything. I saw everything. Everything. There was nothing that happened that I didn't see happen. I saw everything happen. But I don't know anything what that happened. I cannot tell you. I don't have a clue how that happened. I mean, I don't know, I mean, even, even the part, just the simple part, like, my God, my wife, what happened to her? How did these hips just, they disconnected. They don't even, are they ever going to be put back together? How does all that happen? How did God make this beautiful thing called life, this explosion of life? Breath comes, the baby cries. A lot of things that you don't know. <laughs> and so one of the most important things in life is for you to accept what you don't know. And then you own what you do know. Listen, you take this word, you take this word that you do know. I mean, look, a lot of times I've gone through things in life, and I look at that and I say, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know that. There's a lot I don't know. But when I look in the Word, but I do know this. And, and, and I need to stick with what I do know instead of what I don't know. Are you all out there? Many times I've looked in the face of him and said, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But I accept that I don't know. But I tell you what I do know. I do know that the Bible tells me uh, to not think it strange when I go through fiery trials because with them God will make a way of escape. I don't know what's going on out there, but I do know what the Word says. Amen? In our high-minded society today, you know, we have professors. It's a shame. Our kids go to universities and they have, only have professors to tell them Introduce them to the idea that, see, your mom and daddy was wrong. Your church was wrong. There is no God. We have been enlightened to the point we, you know, we are so, we're the intelligent ones. And we know now that there is no God. And they introduce these ideas. And the reason is, this is like a, it's like a professor was in uh, his class one day. First day of school for the freshman, first year students. And the professor gets up and he says, class, he said, I want to announce to you today, right from the beginning of your school years here, that there is no God. God is dead. He is all gone. There is no God. He said, the reason we know this is because, he said, let me ask you a question, students. He said, have any of you ever seen God with your eyes? No hands raised. He said, if any of you heard God with your ears, no one hands raised. If any of you reached out and touched, like with your hands, felt God, no one raised their hands. He said, well, if no one's ever seen, heard, or touched, then let's assume there is no God. And a student in the back of the class raised his hand, and the professor recognized him, and the student said, he said, yes, what do you have to say? And he stood up, and the student said, class, he said, has anyone ever seen the professor's brain? 
Has it hurt? Have you heard it? Have you touched it? No one. He said, well, class, let's assume the professor has no brain. <laughs> the point is simply this, and here's the whole message. If you don't realize it, there hasn't been a point to this. The tension in this message is the tension between these two sides of a truth. Acknowledge. Look it in the face and say, I, no, I don't understand. I, I don't know all about that. I don't know, the, I don't know what it all is I'm going through. You don't have to know all about that. But on the other side, I know this. No matter what I go through, I am not going to let my life be dictated and determined by what it is that's coming at me. I am going to let it be dictated and determined by what is inside of me, what I do know, what is written in God's Word. That will bring you out without the smell of smoke and like a crazy man like I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise in this place. Come on, give him praise. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you all come tonight. We're going to have a great time. Pastor, I have a great message on, here's what I'm going to preach tonight. Pentecostal revelations that changed my life. All right, that's tonight. All right. Thank you, Rick.